Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter. I'm a transformation coach dedicated to inspiring women and the men who support them to rise up in life, love, and leadership. Well, today I want to share with you the inspiring story of Tracy Connell, who left a 25-year marriage to an alcoholic and built a multi-million dollar interior design business as a single mom. She is the owner and principal lead designer at Tracy Connell Interiors based in Dallas, Texas. She shares openly in this conversation about the challenges of her marriage, how she gained the confidence to leave, and how she reclaimed herself as she built her business. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Tracy Connell. Well, Tracy, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, David. Yeah. You are not only a successful businesswoman, but you have had some challenges along the way, which I think anybody who is successful has experienced challenges. Uh, Everything doesn't go smoothly in life, that is for sure. Uh, One of those challenges that you talk about is your marriage, that you had some challenges there. And um, uh, tell me at the start of your marriage, um, your first marriage, I should say, what, what, what was that like? What was, you know, the, the first uh, part of that relationship? What were some of the hopes that you had? You know, give us, give us a little bit of background there. Sure. Well, I got married very young. I was 19 when I got married to my high school sweetheart and moved to Louisiana. He was playing college football, moved there. We had our first baby, but again, very young, So I finished school, navigated our way through those early years and had two more children. So it's really 11 year difference between the two youngest and nine years in the middle. So it was an interesting life growing up, family A, family B. But I probably should have known even on our wedding night that I was in for trouble. Um, I had married an alcoholic. And basically dealt with that on and off for, oh, a good 15 years. And probably about the 10 year after that, we were gearing up to our 25th wedding anniversary. And in the last, I say, five years before that, it it got pretty bad. It was, um, you know, him losing some jobs in and out of rehab, which to me, was a positive experience for myself and my family, really learning about the disease and supporting. And I just was willing to do anything I could to keep our family together. Um, We did some counseling and that didn't go so well as a group, you know, couples counseling. So I kept going by myself. And it was almost like, when am I going to pull the trigger to get out of this because everyone on the outside thought we were this beautiful family and everything was great and successful. We lived in a large house. And so people on the outside of your marriage, was he a social drinker as well? Or is it more drinking at home or? It was both. It was both. Yep. It was an anxiety factor that he's, he drank before the event, but then definitely around the house where the entire family would find beer bottles and things stashed all over. It was not a great way Mm -hmm. to live. Mm -hmm. And were you um, drinking with him or, you know what I mean? Like, how did that, 
play out in your marriage? Um, I have been and was just a social drinker. I didn't need it. I didn't crave it. I was willing to give it up if he gave it up. Mm -hmm. Um, But he did tell me, you know, at one point, I will never give up drinking. Mm. And after his first stint in rehab, he did stay sober for about five months. Mm. And I thought, oh my gosh, who is this man? This is fantastic. But I was in the back of my mind thinking the other shoe is going to drop. It, mm. it just is. And it did. It did. So that was toward, I guess, year 24. And my business was rolling along and, you know, I was very involved with the kids. He was involved in the kids' lives and um, another stint in rehab. And then our 25th wedding anniversary is when really the finality happened. And I left with the children and the dog, got in the car and drove away. Mm. Yeah. So it was um, interesting how the, how the, end of the book, closed, it's the last mm-hmm. chapter. Mm-hmm. And uh, to come to that decision, obviously there had been a lot of low points. You're not, you know, you're not sharing yeah. any of the low points, but I can imagine there's just a lot of uh, disappointment and, yes. you know, conversations that were just challenging. I'm sure the kids experienced things that were difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, at, you know, what, gave you the courage to make that decision? Because it sounds like you've gone through, you know, you went through a lot of experiences in order to get to that point. Yes. I feel like at one point I didn't have a a choice. Um, And it's interesting because a lot of what drove has driven me in the last say seven years has been fear And I made a lot of decisions based off of fear. And at the point where we did leave, I remember him saying to me in a rage the next week, you know, Tracy, if you leave, you know, you and the kids are going to live in a trailer. So, you know, one of the threats, et cetera. And at that point, it was my choice to believe that or do something differently. Hmm. The counselor I was seeing at the time basically said to me, hey, you know, you can stay on this roller coaster with him or you can choose to get off and watch him ride. Mm. And I thought, I am getting off. Mm-hmm. And I did. And then it then it, <laughs> it was like game on. I, You know, I had the kids and I had to make this business into a reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, how many years ago was that when you uh, left the marriage? That was about seven years ago. How did you help your kids? Uh, now, I, their ages are obviously, um, sounds like some of them are probably a bit older, but how did you mm-hmm. help your kids, you know, cope or transition through, um, you know, from the early years all the way up to the time that you left? Right. You know, it's... Um, as a mom and as a wife in this situation, you hide a lot because all you want to do is protect your children. And I did that. Mm-hmm. I have an, a unique quality of taking my events that have happened to me and putting them in a corner and putting on a happy face because, because I had to, I didn't want my kids' lives affected, but 
they it was affected because they were again they were feeling the uncertainty and the unstructure within the home that I couldn't predict either. We were all walking on eggshells. And so would that result in like angry outbursts or just kind of uh, not showing up for work or lack of money or, you know what I mean? Like help us, help us understand the dynamic. Uh, Well, uh, good examples were um, the dynamic of my daughter having a friend over um, and they said, okay, we're going to lay out by the pool. My daughter go gets, you know, in the, in the pool bath, gets a, um, a beach towel and out rolls 10 mini bottles of you know, empty you know, wine. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a couple nights later, my son had a friend over for dinner and basically, you know, my ex-husband, um, <laughs> fell asleep at the table. There's a lot of embarrassment for my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, one coming home, he's asleep on the living floor. Those types of things that honestly, I would, you know, I cringe thinking about the position that my kids were in and the mm-hmm. way it made them feel that empowered me to get them out of it, get myself mm-hmm. out of it and get them out of it as well. Let's be honest, all this social distancing, working from home, educating the kids, and listening to the news is more than overwhelming. It's corona-whelming. Imagine if that constant buzz of anxiety or the heaviness of worry was lifted. Imagine what it will feel like when you embrace your power to make creative, thoughtful decisions about your future. Not only is this possible, it's exactly what you can expect when you apply the principles you'll learn in this powerful new course. Check out Overcoming Corona Whelm at insporising.com slash overcoming. That's insporising.com slash overcoming and use the coupon code PEACE50 for $50 off. You know, as an outsider, I have not uh, dealt with someone who has um, struggled with alcoholism, um, mm-hmm. as a, you know, close family member, I've had some, you know, acquaintances or people that I have tried to help, of course, but, um, you know, as an outsider who hasn't lived with that, it feels like, uh, it just seems like you'd be so powerless, you know, because ultimately it's something they have to work through. They have to come, they have to hit bottom. They have to get those, you know, that support, that help, and, um, but I can't imagine the sense of powerlessness that you felt in those moments. I did, but there's also a lot of empty promises. So something happens, then there's the apology and then you're, you know, I'm a, I'm an optimist. So I would think that things would change, mm-hmm. but what I realized after the fact that everything was a reaction on my, my part. I never got to plan. I never got to look ahead because all I was doing was reacting to whatever situation was thrown my way. Mm. And that is a terrible way to live. Mm-hmm. And again, that sense of fear was also in the marriage. But then as I stepped out, it was still chirping in my ear at every move. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, wow. And so what, what would you say you've had seven years to continue to process and heal? Um, not to say that there's no timeline on that, of course. Um, but 
What are some things that, as you look back, you learned about yourself or others or the world? Like, help us break down some learnings here. I feel like when you are put in a situation that you were not expecting, you have to discover how you how you get out. And that's that's the part that I realize about myself. I've had several setbacks and then I was just paralyzed. I would analyze, 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 paralyzed, but then I survived. I got out of it. The difference is I would continue to have setbacks and do the same routine and get out of it. The next year he actually passed away. And it was after our divorce. It was a year and a half after, a year after our divorce. Wow. But he died of cirrhosis of the liver. And at that point, it was really all me. Mm -hmm. I mean, the motivation that I felt out of desperation to provide for my kids, I mean, that was reality. So it's not like I had a whole lot of time to think about a plan. Mm -hmm. I had to dive deep. Mm -hmm and become vulnerable and let my story out to everyone watching. And I asked for help Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was a lot of hard work on my part, but I am, I just kept taking these steps forward and they were baby steps, but they were very intentional on my way to heal and provide a better life for my children. Mm -hmm. So you had started a business during, while you were married. Is that correct? Yes. And so yep. take me through uh, how you started it, why sure. you started it. Take us through that. Sure. So I, by the time I finished college, I went to five different universities while I followed him around after we got married, but I was going to finish. And my major is, was um, elementary education. So I was a teacher. And I did that for about six years. And then I realized with a friend, we had a play date with our kids. And she said to me, wouldn't it be really cool to do something that you really love to do and get paid? And I was like, get paid to work? What are you talking about? So I did have an opportunity when I stopped teaching, I was raising the kids um, to say, hey, let me just do what I love to do. And that's interior design. Let me just start this for neighbors and friends in my own home. And, and that was 19 years ago. So I decided I'm going to, I'm going to give this a go. And I did start when I was married, but really it didn't really take off until I was put in this position out of necessity. Mm. And that was interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you leave with the kids mm-hmm. doing interior design mm-hmm. as a business. It's, you know, it sounds kind of like it was small second, growing second income. Yep. Yeah. And what did you do? What did you have to do in order to ramp it up? So at that point, again, I had to really look at myself and where my weaknesses were. And there was a lot going on with the paperwork, with the divorce, et cetera, you know, coming up and with, I mean, obviously these great designs and being happy and helpful to my clients. So the thing that I did that made the most impact was I hired a business coach at that point. 
And navigating through the divorce was one thing, but navigating my business, knowing that either I had to quit this or go back to teaching, I thought, all right, I'm going to give this a major go. I've always been a hard worker and that's part of this. Like I had to put the work in. So hired a business coach and really put my business under a magnifying glass, looking at the financials, really diving into seminars and workshops and courses to help me better understand how I can improve. The next step was um, actually hiring a full-time employee and went down that road. But really, it was amazing. And I think, again, out of necessity, you can do amazing things, you know, because you have to. So at that point, my revenue was $154,000 annually. And over the last seven, eight years, you know, we landed a little over 2.6 million today. And I'm really, I'm really proud of that. Um, and it, it wasn't easy, but what, what I'm interested in doing is really helping other female entrepreneurs with the quick strategies and tips that they can implement just like I did to get this afloat and to be in a different place. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you were able to do that you either learned from your coach or things that you knew just kind of internally that were able to help you expand the business um, pretty quickly? Right. And again, I think the very first thing is getting vulnerable and getting help. Um, You know, a lot of women in my position do not have a nest egg. However, I would encourage someone just to have a couple thousand dollars and invest in someone who can take an outside view of your business and start looking in. Um, The second thing I feel like, and again, I go back to that feeling of fear. And I use that as sort of a strategy, as a tactic, because fear, you know, is you can view it as forget everything and run. That's what fear stands for or face everything and rise. And all those decisions that I made, there were actually risk. I made out of fear. I was fearful. I couldn't support my kids. I was fearful. I didn't have enough money for retirement. It was a lot of decisions based out of fear. Um, another what, thing that what I were did, some things that you what decisions did you make that were out of fear that you would have made differently now? Like, give me an example. Oh, you know what? It's interesting. I don't know if I would second guess any of the decisions that I made. Fear was, wow, should I actually get my own design studio? Am I, is that going to drain me? What if I don't have the clients coming in that I, I'm used to? That was a big one. A lot of it is fearful of not being able to support myself and my family. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm over that now, thank goodness. But I will never let that feeling go because mm-hmm. I feel like it fuels me to keep going at the momentum that I know that I need to sustain. Hmm. Okay. So, um, as you began to build your business, mm-hmm. um, it sounds like there was a possibility of another relationship entering your life. That was something that you were interested in. You were open to tell, tell me about that. So, um, 
I had not dated someone since the age of 19. So, uh, or 18 actually. So I thought, all right, I'm taking this, you know, I call it the three D's. I'm going to take this divorce and flip it on its head and look at the opportunity that I have. And I did. I thought, all right, I'm going to have to get out there and date. And you, when you're married and you have family, friends, and you do things with couples, you just don't know a lot of single people. Right, right. So my oldest daughter said, mom, you're going to have to online date. And I'm like, I am not online dating. But she says, yes. They, she said, you could literally sit home on a Friday night and they're going to cast out, you know, and you can you can take the bait and go out or you don't have to. So I said, okay, I'm going to try this. So of course I treated it like a system that I do in, in all of my business um, and like a business. Sure. So it ended up, this is a funny story. So within five months, I dated 50 guys. Ooh. I did. And it was basically... I'm not going to say it was like an interview. It really wasn't. I really enjoyed the experience, but I didn't know what I wanted out of my next relationship. I knew what I didn't want, Mm -hmm. but I had to figure out what were men like? I mean, I had no idea. I just had friends. So it was a really great experience for me just to get to know. And and because I am so business oriented, a lot of the conversations to do with business but I knew there were some non-negotiable, non-negotiables that I did set for myself, which was helpful for me kind of navigating that path. What were some of those non-negotiables? Um, the age of their children. Um, you know, at that time, my youngest was 16. And so I knew I didn't want to dive back into um, young kids again. So that was one of them. And that they had to have a house, you know, things like that. So, and it was also about the type of man that I thought was going to be really good for me. And I really thought that it was going to be someone who was, you know, really um, passionate about work and just a, you know, a real go-getter and a traveler and one that was jet setting. and. While I did find my man, um, who actually is an attorney, very goal-oriented, what I found out about him and what I resonated with was somebody very kind and somebody very predictable because that's what I needed in my life. Mm -hmm. And I like that stability. I needed that. So I ended up with number 47 out of 50. And again, it's it's interesting what I was craving that I didn't have before. Sure. Sure. Wow. That is so good. And so as you're, you know, if you're speaking to someone today, that's Mm -hmm. wrestling with either a challenging situation in their marriage, whether it's a drugs or alcohol or some sort of other addiction, um, what would you say to that person today? What would, what encouragement would you give to them? I would definitely say, number one, get a support system. Um, You know, if it's it's, it's the alcoholism, it's Al-Anon. Again, I feel like the one-on-one coaching or therapy is very important because at some point, you have to look at yourself and say, 
is this healthy for me? What does it look like on the other side? Let's take a look at what it would be like to be on your own. And that was hard. I mean, I, it took me a long time. Mm-hmm. And I just, I can't stress enough that it is an opportunity to have like a plan B, mm-hmm. really to start over. And once you're there, and I know it's scary. I know it's scary. I was scared. But it honestly, um, you know, I look back and think, why did I wait so long? And now obviously we all do it. We do it for our kids. We do it for you know, the fact that we want to stay married. Um, but sometimes it, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that you are passionate about coming alongside other female uh, leaders and business owners and entrepreneurs to help them kind of uh, get unstuck in their businesses and get those breakthroughs. Um, Tell me about how you can help a female leader um, or business owner expand their business. How, what can you offer them? Well, it's interesting because I go back to when I was really growing this and, you know, I was single mom, right, of three. And everything I did, I had to do it quickly. I had to develop systems and processes in my business, but also in my home to be able to juggle everything. And those life hacks and just shortcuts that I developed while I was in that process actually helped me in the business catapult it further. So women in, in my situation, they need help fast. So I am building a course where basically the strategies are meant for quick results. You have this setback and I want to give you the tools to react quickly, whether it's getting in new more revenue, a quick marketing solution, things that have happened, like worked for me within my business to give you those quick successes and get you moving from that place of being stuck. Awesome. All right. So we'll point people toward tracyconnell.com, T-R-A-C-I-C-O-N-N-E-L-L.com. We'll put that in the show notes, of course. You can swipe up on your phone and click that now and they can go and check out your story. And also, um, you are still running your interior design company. Yeah. In Texas, TracyConnellInteriors.com. So if people are in Texas, they can get a hold of you too, right? That's correct. Yes. That's Felici. You won't turn down their business. <laughs> no. <laughs> of course. Great. Tracy, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, David, for having me. If you found this episode to be inspiring or helpful in any way, please share it with a friend. Take a snapshot on your phone, text it to your friend, telling them to subscribe to the Inspiration Rising podcast on their favorite podcast app. Or you can always point them to our website at insporising.com. All right. Love you guys. Have a wonderful week.